Here at Doxedo Hatfield, we are a family on mission. Make sure to get connected by joining us at one of our Sunday services. We hope you enjoyed today's message. So I am excited to be sharing this word with you today. Um, this word is going to be even better than the pre-recorded word. So this is why you come to church, and only when you're ill you listen to the pre-recorded word, because on Friday evening, on Saturday, and even this morning, God just spoke things into my heart that He wants to share with these people today. So we are at the back end of our series, Blessed Beyond Measure. So in this series, we are, we are laying claim to the blessings that God has spoken over His disciples' hearts. So we go to the Sermon on the Mount. That's what we call it in churchy circles. That's when Jesus spoke blessings, beatitudes, supreme blessings over His disciples. And the context of the Sermon on the Mount, I just wanted to dwell for a moment on it because the context is quite important. Because I always want to look at the context to understand whether it's going to be relevant to us today. So the context I want to pick up just quickly on Matthew 5, 1 to 2. Now on the screen here, you will see that the reference at the top is wrong. So this is just a cautionary tale that whatever you see on a screen is not necessarily true. Okay? It should say Matthew 5, 1 to 2. The rest is right. So sometimes there's half-truths that come through Instagram, right? But the full truth is at the bottom. So you, if you scroll down all the way to the bottom. So when he saw the crowds, this is Jesus, he went up on the mountain. And after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then opening his mouth, he began to teach and said things like, Blessed are those who mourn, who will be comforted. Blessed are the poor in heart, for they will see the kingdom of God. Okay, so the context here is that people gathered around Jesus, people that loved Jesus, people that knew Jesus. And then there were also people that knew about Jesus, realized that maybe they need Him and they gathered around Him. So that is a lot like who we are today. There are people here that know God, that love God, and there are people here that need God and that don't know Him yet. And then there are people like me that know God and need God. So that's us today. And then he walked up into a mountain, a normal mountain. It wasn't Mount Horeb. It wasn't like Carmel. It wasn't Mount Zion. It was a normal mountain, like on the strip in Hatfield. It was a normal place. And Jesus then walked up, and he didn't plonk himself down on this big chair. He just sat down on a rock and started speaking into people's everyday lives. And that is what Jesus wants to do today for each and every one of us. So God wants to speak to you into your life about the art of living well. But this one is a tough one because this word today is about blessed is the peacemaker. So God wants to speak to us today about the art of living well in our war zones. All of us have war zones in our lives. We don't confess to them often. We hide them away. But it's either a war in my heart, a war in my mind, a war with people. And Jesus wants to speak into your war zone today. Matthew 5, 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called 
sons of God. I want to share with you the Amplified Version because it amplifies what living well, the art of living well, looks like. So if you follow with me on the screen here. So it says, what is the blessing here? Blessed, it says. What is the blessing? Spiritually calm with life joy in God's favor. Okay, I want some of that. Yes? I want to be spiritually calm with life joy in God's favor in 22. Yes? Okay. The reason why it's yes, because I heard somebody with this blessing. May your 2022 not be 2020 part two. Okay? So I want something different. I want this blessing from God. So this is what the blessing looks like. Now it is, for whom is this blessing? It says, for the makers and maintainers of peace. It's not for Amal. It's for the makers and maintainers of peace. And how do you lay claim to it? It's by carrying God's character into your war zone. So this is what God is like in a real way trying to say to us today. He's trying to talk about what the art of living well looks like through the action. Through the action. I'm trying to make a point here, Kevin. Through the action of making peace and maintaining peace by carrying His character into our war zones. Does that sound worthwhile? Who's in? Okay, just keep your hand up. I just want to see. So as you are in, I just, there's a cautionary word. This word is like going to be rough. I'm going to get up in your face. I'm going to get into your business. But not before I share my business. Is that right? Okay, now sharing my business. I'll share a war story out of our house. So it's an old war story. I don't share new war stories because I'm busy fighting them, right? So it's an old war story. We've covered them. This war story is about 10 years old. So it's about our son, Andreas, our oldest son. He's here just to ask. And if you want to know if the story is true, you can ask him afterwards. Just put up your hand. They see what you look like. Okay. So this story is when he is now 23. He was 10, 11, about that age. And every freaking morning, as I had to put him in the car, take him to school, he was late. I said, Andreas, like half past in the car. Because if you are not in the car, I'm not going to get to the highway. I'm going to be late for work. I'm going to be cranky. I'm going to get, probably get fired. And he was like, okay. He was late every time. And then I said to him, I started threatening. Has your parents threatened you before? Honesty church, ne? Okay, no, you don't know. Okay, so I threatened him and I said, if you don't get to the car on time, I'm going to leave you and you're going to walk to school. Now, it's not far. It's like it's on Atterbury Road, so that's a problem, but it's like a 10-minute walk. He was 10, so maybe nine minutes. And I said to him, you're going to be, I'm going to leave you. And then he got smart, this little one. He would be in the car at 20 past. And he said, ah, sorry, man, I forgot. And then he ran out, get something, and then 10 minutes later, he come to the car. And the one day, I had it. I just had it, and I left him. His version of the story is, well, he was already at the car. He touched the car, and I drove off. My version of the story was he, was, he wasn't even there. 
And then after I hit the highway, I thought maybe it's a good idea for as a good parent, I think I am, to phone the school and to hear whether my little boy got to school. And I phoned, and they thought, who's this parent asking whether his son is there? And I went, oh. And he wasn't there. Okay, so this is mulato yomokulu. Now you're a parent. So I turned around. I didn't make a U-turn on the highway. I took an off-ramp, and then I took an on-ramp. Got home to find him in his room with the door locked. Yes, and I started banging on the door here. After a while, I started kicking the door, and it went like, dur, dur, dur. and he, he just said nothing. And I said, Andreas, open this door. After a while, what came out was, I cannot. And I said, why can you not open this door? And his answer, because if I open this door, my life is over. <laughs> and he was right. He was like spot on, hey? And there are, I mean, there's spaces in our lives where we think we keep these doors closed by keeping the peace. And we say, if I open this door, my life is over. But what this scripture is saying, if you do not open this door, if you do not open this door, you've been trying to keep this door on your war zone shut. And the way that you keep it shut is you say, I'm going to keep the peace. I'm going to be the lesser person. I'm going to not do anything. I'm going to keep this door locked. But this blessing for us today is saying, if you are willing to open the door, because Jesus wants to teach you the art of living well, if you are willing to open the door, so this is the bad news, there's a tunnel of chaos on the other side of the door. But what's in the other side of that chaos? Other side of the chaos, the scripture says, there is spiritual calm, life joy, and God's favor. That's what is at stake. And that is what God wants to teach us today. Are you still in? Okay, so there's a few less that are in today. We're going to go to Genesis 34, verse 1. So if you have a Bible, please look that up, Genesis 34. Uh, if you like my children, they now rank the books in the Bible alphabetically. So you don't have to know Genesis, Exodus, and so on. That's a smart trick if you want to know where the Bible books are. Genesis is the very first book. And... If they were to make a movie of Genesis 34, Hollywood would probably say, uh, so this is based on true facts, a lot of plot twists and turns, and viewer discretion is advised. So I don't see young kids here. Okay. Little one, but he can't understand yet. And then they would probably explain that there are two tribes in the story. The one tribe is the tribe of Israel, and the other tribe is the tribe of the Canaanites, and particularly the Hivites. In the corner of Israel, you've got fighting Jacob and his daughter Dinah and then his sons. And then at the Hebrew stage, you've got the king. His name is Hamar. His son's name is Shechem. So this is the, the context of the story. Now, as we read through the story, each and every one of you that put your hand up, you put your hand up to say that I will engage in this sermon because I think it's worthwhile 
to find a way, to find keys to open this door to my war zone. So the way that you do that right now is to ask a few questions as I read through the Scripture. First question, who is the victim? Hint, there's more than one. Hint, in our war zones, there's usually just one, and that's me. Okay, who's the victim? Number two, who are the aggressors? Number three, who are the peacemakers? Are there any, or are they just peacekeepers? And probably the most important question is, what would you have done? It's very easy to get onto a high horse about somebody else's war zone. But the question is, what would you have done? If you are open enough to ask the, that question, then the step that we take into our own personal war zones will be a lot easier. Genesis 34 verse 1. Now Dinah, the daughter of Leah, whom she had born to Jacob, went out unescorted to visit the girls of the land. In that context, this was a bad idea. When Shechem, the son of Hamar, the Hebite prince, Sheikh of the land, saw her, he kidnapped her and lay intimately with her by force, humbling and offending her. But his soul longed for and clung to Dinah, daughter of Jacob, and he loved the girl and spoke comfortingly to her young heart's wishes. So Shechem said to his father, Hamar, Get me this young woman as a wife. Now Jacob heard that Shechem had defiled, violated Dinah, his daughter, but his sons were in the field with his livestock. And listen to this. And Jacob said nothing until they came in. In fact, the first person to speak in verse 6 is Shechem's father, Hamar, that came to Jacob and spoke with him. Now when Jacob's sons heard of it, they came in from the field, and they were deeply grieved, and they were very, very angry. For Shechem had done a disgraceful thing to their sister. But Hamar conferred with them, saying, this is a, a guy that tries to make peace now. My soul, the soul of my son Shechem, deeply longs for your daughter and sister. Please give her to him as a wife. And beyond that, intermarry with us. Give your daughters to us as wives, and take our daughters for yourselves. And in this way... You shall live with us. The country will be open to you. Live, do business in it, and acquire property and possessions. Shechem also said, Dinah's father and her brother, let me find favor in your sight, and I will give you whatever you ask of me. Demand of me anything, and I will give it to you. Only give me your daughter. Verse 13, Jacob's sons answered Shechem and Hamar, his father, deceitfully, because Shechem had defiled and disgraced their sister. And they come up with this plan and said, if you circumcise yourself, then only we will allow you to marry our, our sister and daughter. But you also have to get all these other people in your tribe to circumcise themselves. And then verse 18, Shechem goes and he, he does it. He circumcises himself. And then they go out and they convince the rest of the Hivite, um, the Hivite nation for the men to circumcise themselves as well. And then in verse 23, it says, sorry, 25, when everybody was now circumcised, all the men, what did the brothers do? They went into the city. They killed every man. They looted the city. They carried off the livestock. 
and got their sister out of the house. And then in verse 30, it says, Then Jacob said to Simeon and Levi, this is now the first time that Jacob speaks. Jacob, this is Jacob from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob fame. So he is he's quite a person. The first time that he speaks, he says this. Then Jacob in verse 30 says to Simeon and Levi, You have ruined me, making me a stench to the inhabitants of the land, the Canaanites and the Perizzites. My men are few in number, and the men in the land will band together against me and attack me. I shall be destroyed, I and my household. And then the sons say, Should he be permitted to treat our sister as a prostitute? This is a heartbreaking scene. A heartbreaking scene. It's probably one of the most horrendous that I know in the Bible. It's repulsive. And the reason why it is so heartbreaking for me, where it bends my mind and it bends my heart. So the reason why it is so heartbreaking for me, there's a few of them. The first thing is that the victim, in my opinion, Dana, the victim in the circumstance, there's overwhelming silence from the victim. She doesn't speak once. Nobody speaks to her. Just the perpetrator speaks to her. It's just in the end, they say that they took her back. We don't know what it felt like. We don't know what she felt like. We don't know whether she got healed. We don't know whether she got married in the end. We don't know what her reality was. This overwhelming silence of the victim. A victim of history, a victim of culture, a victim of circumstance, a victim of naivety as a young girl. You might be sitting here right now, and in your war zone, you are the victim. And the worst thing about you being a victim in your war zone is the overwhelming silence, the isolation that you are experiencing right now in that space. That's part of the problem in the story. The victim is silent. The next problem in the story is that the leading generation is inactive. Jacob does nothing. Hamar does nothing. The next problem in the story is that the next generation, they've got these self-seeking actions that they take. What they do is they, they, they try to get revenge in the name of justice. They try to get lust in the name of love. They try to manipulate in the name of peace. In your war zone, is there a father figure or a mother figure or a boss that you hope just would do something to be a peacemaker? Are you in the next generation where you are in the name of good things actually seeking revenge? seeking lust and manipulating. God wants to step into your war zone and He wants to bring peace. But then we need to be willing to open this door. The worst thing about all of this is in this horrible, horrible circumstance, 
there was not one person that asked God what to do. Not one. Jacob, from Abram, Isaac, and Jacob fame, nobody asked God what he wants. So if this was the story that Hollywood put on, probably Blade and I would walk out of the movie, see the studio or out of the cinema, and I would think I would never want to see this again. This is just too close to life, close to real life. That's why I watch Marvel movies, okay? That's the reason. I've seen all of them. So what is your most favorite Marvel character? You don't watch Marvel. You watch DC. This man has got nothing, hey? Nina, most favorite Marvel movie? Wonder Woman. <laughs> That's DC, my girl. Okay. Nicholas only watched DC, so I can't ask him. So my favorite Marvel character is Groot. And in fact, Groot Jr. So what would be my favorite line in the movies? I am Groot. And if you do not know what I'm talking about, I don't trust you ever again. The question that we want to ask here in this real-life drama that is just a, a semblance of what all of us are experiencing in our own lives is this. Where are the peacemakers? In this story, where were the peacemakers? There were none. And then the next question is, how on earth do we make peace? Matthew 5 verse 9 says, blessed. This is the blessing. Spiritually calm with life joy in God's favor are who? Those that are makers and after you've made the peace, be maintainers of peace. And how? For they will bring God's character into their war zones. So there's a few things that I want to share with you. A few keys that if you are in a space where you... You're even contemplating for the first time in a long time to open this door that you have held shut over your war zone. You know what your war zone is. You know what God is speaking into your heart right now. It might be a relationship with your parents. It might be a relationship with a boss. It might be a relationship with, with yourself, with people that did something to you that aren't here even anymore. You know what that war zone is. If you are willing for one moment to even contemplating getting some keys to open that door, this is a moment to listen just to the first key. The first key is ask God what to do. Sounds simple enough, no? Just open the first the first way, the first thing to do just to, is to invite, usher God in. Invite Him into the space that you've desperately tried to keep Him out. Why? Because maybe in your deepest heart of hearts, you're blaming Him. First step is invite Him into it. Invite Him into that space. Second step into the space God is calling you to action. Inaction is no longer an option. 
You know, this thing that we do in our world, you do you. Okay, you do you doesn't work in peacemaking. God is calling us into action. Inaction is not an option. And now the biggest issue is in those circumstances where I've been hurt so badly, to know what the right actions are, the next step is to bring actions into your space that reflects God's character and not your own pain. Because this is what I do. Instead of asking God what to do, stepping into action and doing things that reflect His character, I carry my pain into it. I'm experiencing that there are people here. And what God is doing right now is He's sharing with me the pain that you are experiencing. Because what you've done in this pain that you are experiencing, under, in the name of justice, you have sought revenge. And the way that you sought revenge is by just cutting people out of your life. The way that you've sought revenge is to keep them from you, to cut them, to be silent. And God is saying, that is not my character. That is your pain that you are carrying into this space. I won't share with you what I'm feeling. What is that? That is revenge. That is not peacemaking. That is taking your pain into the circumstance. There are people that want to help you and want to walk the road with you, but if you keep them out, this is revenge in the name of justice. It's not. It's hurting you. It will continue to hurt you. There are people here that have been abused emotionally, physically, sexually. And the risk is that what you've done is you are chasing after lust because you think you don't deserve love. You start to manipulate people to get from them what, they, what you want from them as opposed to what they want to give you. If that's you today, God says there is nothing on this world, nothing on earth that will keep you from my love. Stop chasing after lust. Stop chasing after getting what you want through manipulation because you think people can never love you enough to give you what you really need and what you really want. God will not come and break this door down that you're keeping up. He will never do that. But what he's doing right now, he's standing and he's knocking on your door. And he's saying, let me in. Because with me, spiritual calm, life joy, and my favor can come into your most difficult of circumstances. If you'll just open the door to your heart, to my love. He won't break the door down. It's, it's going to take something of you today. The hard part of this word is when you open the door, there's a tunnel of chaos that's waiting for you. That's why we keep it shut. I've been hurt already. I can't stand the chaos that awaits me to get to the other side. And even worse, 
is that on the other side of this, that blessing, spiritual calm, life, joy, and God's favor might look different than what you want. You see, what your biggest wishes, what you deserve, might not be a reality in the end. But I can promise you it's better than where you are right now. And I promise you, the God that I know has got love in his heart that will maybe not heal everybody in that relationship, but he will restore your heart. He wants to speak into your heart right now. I want to reference just one or two examples of what this means in people's lives. So there was this, uh, this one guy that uh, he was really distraught because it's a young married couple, young person, and he was struggling to walk this godly line between respecting his parents and following God's will. And yes, sometimes there is a difference. To my kids, not often, okay? But there, 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 is, a, there is a difference. So what happened with him was his, um, his siblings immigrated to Australia. And then his parents wanted to follow, and then his parents started putting pressure on them to also leave. And he said, um, can I have coffee? And I said, sure. And then he asked me, what should I do? And I said, I had no idea. But I know who doesn't have an idea. And he said, okay, what do you mean? I said, well, go and ask God. And he said, but I asked him, and I don't know what to do. And I said, okay, but ask God what your future looks like wherever that might be. And him and his wife went out and they did that and um, realized that God's calling in their, on their lives was in South Africa. They approached his parents and said, God's calling us to be here right now. We love you to bits, we honor you, we respect you. But God has got a purpose on our lives. I don't know what ended up in that story, but if I'm a parent and I see that my son and my daughter is following God's heart, and they are experiencing His joy and His peace and His favor. I can live in Australia knowing that. There was another couple that uh, their house was a war zone. They had young kids. They were fighting the whole time. They said, can we have coffee? And I said, okay. And uh, the problem in their house was debt. They borrowed so much, and they had been married for 10 years, and they, um, lockdown just made it so difficult for them, and then they started borrowing money from their parents, and then they couldn't pay that back, and they couldn't be, pay the interest anymore. And as I started chatting with them, the problem wasn't lockdown. The problem was that they went on honeymoon with their credit card. That's where the problem started. So peacemaking in their house looked like this. It was the action of putting a budget together that dropped their living standard and that required some sacrifice of them. They did that for six months. Six months. They started doing that, and God honored that obedience by bringing more cash into their businesses and giving them more jobs than they could ever, ever even do. That's what peacemaking looks like. The last story that I want to share with you is a story about Newton Baloy. The guy that I know is a quantity surveyor in, the, in Popo. And he saw that in that area where he grew up, it was the highest concentration of mines in South Africa, in that area. 
but that the community in that area was the poorest of mining communities in the country. And he said he needs to do something. And he said, I'm going to step in and I'm going to make peace between the mine worker, miners and then the community. And there was no peace to be had. They hated each other. And then he realized, okay, so I can't build a bridge between these two, but what I am going to do is I'm going to start an incubator. Now, that incubator just meant that he was borrowing money, taking money from corporates, and he was upskilling that community to do work for the mines under their procurement program. Because at that point, 93% of all procurement happened out of Gauteng. And he told the mines, okay, you don't have to love these people, but just make your procurement program smaller so that these people can, can tender for it. And the mines said that would never happen. Seven years later, 90% of that procurement happened in that community. That's what peacemaking looks like. That is what peacemaking looks like. I want to ask you if the Oh, no, if you guys would come up. We want to close today's sermon. Felt like a bit of a roller coaster, this. I mean, we went from war zones to infinity war, like in, in one sermon. So I want to just create an opportunity for us to breathe. So I'm not going to do like voodoo exercises and ask you to breathe, but maybe just in your spirit, just breathe deeply. Because this is a moment where God, through His Holy Spirit, is standing at the door of your heart and He's knocking. And He's saying, I want to teach you the arts of living well through the action. Kevin, the action the action of making peace. And once the peace is made, maintaining peace by not carrying my pain, but carrying his character into my war zone. And this is a moment for you and the Holy Spirit with your eyes closed, asking God, what is the action that you want from me? What is the pain that is blocking me? And what is the future that you have for me? Can we do that? We're going to give each other a few moments in time. Your eyes closed. It's you and God. If you're experiencing a word for somebody at this point in time, please share it with that person. Soma straight. There's a lady that sits right in front of me, right here. And I share a word with you. I'm experiencing, yes, you that's looking behind. I'm experiencing God is saying that pain has put this thick skin around who He has made you. And He says that He wants to bring a holy greater to that pain wants to take off that skin because what he has placed in your heart is precious and is pure and is kind and is a fragrance that he wants to let loose into this world that's what's living in your future
if you allow him to. The guys that's sitting just in front of him, can I share a word with you? I'm experiencing God is saying that you, you've got this self-talk in your mind. You've got this drum that you've been beating about what people have done to you. And that drum has become so loud in your heart that it's drowning out the beat that it has for you. What he's inviting you into is a rhythm that will change your life. It's his invitation for you. I'm going to just create the space of a few minutes for us to, to really engage with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Close by just speaking this over your life, over your war zone that God wants to step into. Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If any man or woman hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and I will sup with him and he with me. To him that overcometh, will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame, and am set down with my Father in his throne. He that has ears, let them hear what the Spirit is saying to them. Amen.